Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sharing is Caring podcast. I'm your host for today, Elliot, and I am not Hans, and your normal host for the show, and that's because of a special reason. Hans is the one going to be interviewed today. Uh, normally, Hans is the one doing the interviewing. He is a, a great interviewer, asking hard-hitting questions, but today... I am in the seat of I get to ask the hard-hitting questions to you, Hans, and so so glad you could join us on your own show. Yes, thank Welcome you. here. Uh, but before we get into it, I just want to say I think this podcast has been such a great idea, a, a wonderful blessing, and even as I hear people I know really well uh, being interviewed on this podcast, I'm learning new things about them, and I get to know them in a deeper way. I think it's I've heard so much feedback from people saying, oh, I heard this person being interviewed and it was a blessing in this way. And, oh, I didn't know that about this person, even though we've been going to church for years. And so I think it's really been a outpouring of your fruit, your hard work, your dedication. You put a lot of time into this. So I just want to say thank you for that. But that leads me to my first question for you, which is what led you to start this podcast? Like, why did you decide to begin this knowing eh, it's a lot of work, it's hard work? Why did you think it was worth it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me on my own show and being the interviewer and being a great host so far. And it, it is a little bizarre. It's a little weird, but I'm glad to finally kind of share my own story because I think a lot of people were asking who exactly the host is and what kind of personality he has. So glad to finally share that. And so to answer your question, some of the motivation behind creating this podcast is that I felt that at the church, it was very hard to get to know people beyond the superficial level. I'm also part of my um, church's serve team in the sense that I help with the setup and teardown. So yeah. it's kind of hard to get to know people because I have to take everything down by a certain time right. because we get kicked out by a certain time. Yeah. And yeah, it was just kind of hard to really get to know people in a more intimate way. Sunday mornings can always, always be a little busy. People have things to do. They have to get out. So I just felt there was this need for people to really get to know one another. And to be honest, I'm also a little socially awkward. So it's just kind of hard to create those deeper conversations without, you know, having some kind of medium to do so. So that was one way, but yeah. also specifically why a podcast versus something else. I felt that I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm going to be sure to provide a lot of recommendations for some other podcasts at the end of this episode. But I just thought it was a good way for if someone was commuting, they can listen to this and be yeah. encouraged. Also, it's a good way, like a record almost for people to go back to and to hear these stories. It's not just a one-time thing. We can probably listen to this years down the line and see how much we've grown. And right. that way is so amazing to hear like, oh, maybe in 2023, 2022, we were like this, but how has God changed our lives so much more? Yeah. So that was kind of like, some inspiration of why I wanted to do a podcast. But ultimately, I think for me, it was just a good way as someone who drives a lot to kind of listen in and just kind of learn and just kind of learn about people as I'm driving. Just kind of like two things at once. I'm driving yeah. to work anyways. Might as well learn about some people on the way. Yeah, I think it's been a wonderful idea. So glad you followed through on it. Um, but my question is also like, so what's your experience been so far recording, interviewing people, or maybe even hearing some of the feedback so far? Yeah, it's been amazing in the sense that definitely hitting the goal of this podcast, which mm -hmm. is getting to learn 
about people. I've definitely learned so many new things about people that I've been doing church with and in ways that I didn't expect either. Like I feel like it's not natural to talk about some of the things we talk about unless it's kind of more of this intimate setting. Sure. And so it was able to, to do that and to see people beyond just kind of how we might anticipate or like how we see them. It was a new, it was a different angle. It was a new way to, of, to see um, my fellow church members. Yeah. And so in the sense that the feedback has been immensely positive and I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm someone who's very critical about the podcast mm. and feeling that it needs to be perfect. And I'm always concerned about the audio quality and how it sounds. And is this even edifying for people? So to hear that response has been really encouraging. Yeah. It's like a confirmation like, yeah, this is really, it's, it's hitting the mark. It's, yes. it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. And so I think that has been really good, but also in a sense, really helpful for myself because I'm I'm sure I'll, I'll be sure to talk more about this, but kind of like using what God has given me and my gifts and my talents and the way I'm created to kind of edify the church. And I felt like that was being fulfilled by this. Yeah. Good. I think it's been hitting that mark. I I know, you know, maybe it was about a year and a half ago, you first brought up this idea to me and you're like, man, I have this idea that I think this would be a good way for us to connect and, and hear each other's stories. And I think it's done that. And it's so good to see from, it was just a, an idea to now in fruition. So thank you for that. That's, so, that's been so wonderful. But um, you've been asking people a certain kind of list of questions to get to know each other. And one of them has been about like how you came to the vine and how your experience has been at the church. So I want to ask that for you. How did you come to the vine and how's your experience been here at this church? Yeah. So I grew up in the Korean American Christian church, um, my home church in Glendale and pretty much growing up in that setting, you kind of have these cultures. You just, you just, have this expectation of like, this is how church is done. But I felt that over the 23 years I was there, despite being literally born into the church, I didn't have the sense of community or the sense of growth. And it was just hard because my entire family at that point went to that home church and Mm -hmm. one by one, they decided to go to various different churches that they still attend to to this day. But I didn't want to give up on the church. I didn't want to just kind of be like, it's not serving my needs. I'm out of here. Like, I really wanted to work on it and Mm. to continue to serve and somehow create the things that I wanted in the church, the things I was lacking. I wanted to, in some way, create those things. And so, but I just felt that after 23 years um, and serving a lot and just kind of feeling burnt out almost. And I remember this one time I missed church for like a month and I came back and nobody kind of realized that I was gone. They were just, Hey, welcome back. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Um, But they didn't say like, where were you? Or yeah, what happened? They were just like, Oh, you're here. And that was kind of like really hard to hear because it's like, don't you know, don't you guys want to know what happened or like, like, yeah, was I even gone? You wanted to know if your presence was missed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then also this sense of, I wanted to be fed spiritually as well. I think every 
Christian member wants to grow in their spiritual journeys. And I felt that as much as I was serving and being poured out, I wasn't being poured into. Mm-hmm. And it was hard trying to be that person, trying to feed other people, but not being fed myself. And so almost trying to be that leader of like, okay, I need to feed myself by my own means and then also pouring out. And that was really hard. And I didn't find that kind of conduit or that kind of medium. And as much as I didn't want to give up, I just felt that this was probably a new time to move on. Mm. So deciding to just check out the local churches in my area. And luckily one of my good friends and someone who I've um, interviewed on this podcast, Nathan, reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you check out this church in Eagle Rock? And I'm like, Eagle Rock, that's pretty close to me. And so I decided to go and it was pretty good, pretty pretty solid. And <laughs> he comes up to me, he's like, look, I'm really sorry. And I just, this sounds weird, but can you come again next week? Because the next sermon that you're going to hear, I really like his preaching style. I want you to check him out. And so I'm it's like, a different preacher than different week. preacher. Okay. Exactly. And so I'm like, um, okay, what do I, what else do I have to lose? And this was back before I was at the church. This is correct. This was back when Marcus and Steve were pastoring. Yes. The church. Yeah. Yes. And so this is in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go check it out. And slowly but surely just kind of getting plugged in. And something that I was kind of looking out for, for a church was that there were so many times that I had to put myself out there and really kind of make the effort to be plugged in. And so almost having this heart of like, can the church reach out to me first and then, you know, getting plugged in in that way. So that happened. That happened where Jay Yoon, shout outs to him, created this small group. Back then it was based on, um, based on age demographics, but he was like, why don't you check it out? I'm like, okay, that's that invitation. I'll take that invitation. Yeah. And I think something that was really important too was that our church at the time was really involved in sports events like Turkey Bowl, softball. Yeah. And at my home church, you would only be able to participate in those activities if you were athletically like gifted. Oh. So like if you're not good at basketball and if you're vertically challenged like I am, you probably won't be, you'll probably play pickup games like casual games, but you won't play a lot. Right. And part of me is like, that's okay. Cause I'm not really interested in basketball anyways. I'll play, but I'm not like, yeah, let's keep shooting hoops. I'm down for that. I'm not like that, but still to be, you know, inclusive in that, it was kind of hard. And yeah. so I felt that's also one way that the church kind of excluded some people into like, yeah, into having that kind of culture. So when they were like, hey, why don't you play Turkey Bowl? I was kind of shocked because I was like, well, I'm not really like athletic. And do you really want me to play? And they're like, it's just a time to get to know each other, fellowship. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're good or not, just play mm. with us. And so I did. And that year... I just played. I just did Turkey Bowl and it was really fun. I wasn't good, but it was still fun to really get to know the people and to have that sense of fellowship. And so I think that's what really stood out to me for the vine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's great. So that's how you first got plugged into the vine. Um, what has your experience been like since at the church? I mean, you went from what? You were just 23 years old when you first came mm-hmm. back in 2014. That's nine years ago. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's it's really daunting. Nine years ago. And so crazy. now you're 30, pushing 31 soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been here quite a while. How's your journey been at the Vine Church? Yeah, it's it's definitely been rocky in some parts and uplifting in others. I know we've talked a lot about this in other people's podcast episodes, but 
I think about six months or so into the church, uh, we had this huge kind of leadership shift happen where four of the six leaders left. And that was daunting because not that I felt directly responsible for that, but it was also like, yeah, that's quite some timing there. huh? Yeah. Like come, you plug (laughs) it. And then all of a sudden there's this huge transition. Right. And so there definitely was the temptation of like, do I just leave and go to somewhere else that is a bit more stable? And after talking to some brothers, Nathan and Einer, I, I distinctively remember this, just like feeling the need that the church needs us more than ever. Mm. So deciding to stay and listen to that call. Wow. And then from that, having you come, Pastor Elliot, um, who was the associate pastor at the time. Yeah. And then Pastor Ron coming and then eventually Pastor Kyung. Um, it was this kind of growth happening in the sense that I was learning these truths that I felt like I didn't know and hear about growing up in the Korean church, mm. things about identity and yeah. what victory over darkness meant. And even to this day, I'm still kind of wrestling with it and trying to process what that means. But I just felt that when I was going over that book, Victory Over Darkness with um, the LA Home Group, which had turned from age demographics to more of a geographical area, it was groundbreaking. And it meant like, wow, like what it really means to be a son of God. And that's when I was like, why didn't I learn about this? Why didn't I learn what it meant to really be a son of God, a child of God? And that kind of was like the trajectory of like, okay, now like we're growing here. We're, we're learning more about what it means to really be that. And yeah, I just felt that I was finally learning and growing in that truth. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Now, I think a lot of people at our church, when they see you, I think they see you embodying the attitude and heart of a servant. And you are now serving as a deacon here at the Vine Church. And the word deacon literally does mean servant. And it's a servant kind of leader. And I hear so many, so many times people talk about, oh, man, Hans, he's such a servant. You know? And so what I want to ask you next was, how did you go on that trajectory of, you came to this church, yeah, you got to be filled and, and you learned these things about identity, but you also have put so much of your own self into the church and you've given of yourself into the church. And our church is so much better as a result of it. Like we have um, reaped the fruits of that. But tell me about the journey. Why did you decide to get plugged in to serve and then now even serving as a deacon? I mean, initially growing up in the Korean American church, it's almost expected that if you're part of it, you serve in some capacity. And so initially I served because one of our young names or one of our older brothers was like, hey, can you help with set up and tear down at our previous venue or not venue, sorry, um, avenue. Uh, And I'm like, yeah, I have a pair of hands. I could definitely help out come early, set up the instruments and set up the audio equipment. And that first step just kind of eventually led to like doing more and more and more and eventually getting the call of like, do you want to be a deacon in in this regard? And I think a lot of people, including myself, had that struggle of like, do I really need a title to do what I'm doing? (laughs) Do I like, is there anything that changes? Like I'm already serving in this capacity. Why do I need a title to continue to do that? But I felt that God was challenging me to serve in a greater capacity than just kind of this hands-on, like to grow in leadership and to grow 
in even logistics and kind of management and relationship building and being very challenged in that because I'm not naturally someone who's a delegator and wants to kind of divvy it the tasks, but being challenged in that. And mm. yeah, it, it really just began with accepting the call and I'll just do this. And I didn't want to do it to like show off because set up and tear down is literally the job that is behind the scenes. It's not a very flashy, like maybe if you're like, Oh, look at me carry this speaker in front of everybody. Yeah, like there's no audience. You, there's no there's audience no looking it's, at you. Exactly. <laughs> there's literally, you are the last person, one of the last people to leave the church yeah. and one of the first people to come to the church. So yeah. there's nobody to show off to unless right. it's your fellow set up and tear down people. Well, you show off to me and I think you guys are so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, that's not the point, but thank you. And, um, but yeah, it really started off with that call and then it just kind of escalated more to like, more responsibilities, but also like a grander way to serve. Like it never bothered me to, to come early and to do that. Um, I know for some people it's a struggle to, to serve in that capacity. And, but for me, it's, it was like an act of love. It yeah. was just like for me to pour out into the church and show much, how much I care for the church yeah. in that way. Yeah. That's wonderful. And we felt that love. And I think a lot of us, we experience God's love through your service to the church and you know that you may have started off serving just because you were asked, and maybe that was the initial thing that got you there. But after all these years of why you are still serving, there's got to be something that keeps you going. Like, there's got to be times where it's difficult, where it's like, man, I could be sleeping in a couple more hours, or I could be leaving earlier from church, or I could be whatever, you know, and, and there are days that's hard. Everybody feels like this who serves. So what keeps you going in those hard times? What keeps you motivated even in the times where it's tempting to call it quits? Yeah, I think, well, to first even address some of the hard times, especially with the pandemic, the shift to transitioning to doing that and going virtually, that was really hard. And then we're still a, a church on wheels. And so there's still a lot of setup and tear down in that regard. We have to put all of our equipment that we need up and then we have to tear it all down yeah. and put it in our trusty storage unit, which is also on wheels. And so I think this theme of burnout really happened as well because yeah, I think it's just natural if you keep doing it and you eventually shoulder everything for yourself, you, you get burnt out. And so just even during that time, where we were transitioning from going to parks and setting everything up. There was a time where it was literally, I was doing that and feeling that burning out and the joy of serving was gone because it was like more of that mundane, like I have to do this. Yeah. And so the heart behind the service turned into more of a heart of obligation. And I remember like, especially during that circumstance too, of all what had happened um, feeling this heart of like, I don't want to serve because I've served so much and I poured out so much yeah. to those around me and to just kind of, yeah, to that circumstance that happened, which I'll probably talk about more. Hmm. Um, I didn't have that heart of service. And I think what really changed once again was kind of one healthy delegation and not shouldering everything from myself, yeah. being able to share the joy 
I don't know, some people might think of it as a burden, but a, the joy of setting up and tearing down yeah. um, and doing it as a team, that definitely helped. And as much as they say how much of an inspiration I am to them, I'm very inspired by my team as well yeah. and the joy that they have of doing it. So in a sense, them having joy brings me joy because mm. it's, like, it's like a sense of accountability. It's like, wow, they're doing it so joyfully. And it makes my heart want to do it joyfully, yeah. you know. But I think also, once again, going back to like, why am I doing this? And it's this kind of like natural wanting of outpouring. It's not this flashy, look at me, I want to edify myself. But if we see it as an act of worship, which is it is, I think a lot of people think it's just hard grunt work. But if we see it more as an act of worship, I think that really yes. changes our hearts about it. Okay. Instead of like begrudgingly, my muscles are getting sore. <laughs> um, it's more of like, look at this kind of way I can honor God. Right. And so I think having that attitude and mindset is really important. Yeah, I think that's so good. I and mean, you put it so beautifully. There is, you know, a sense where worship can be in the form of songs, you know, but to sing those praise songs to God can be very, very meaningful. And that is absolutely a wonderful form of worship. But, you know, sometimes singing a song doesn't cost us anything. And sometimes a heavier form of worship comes in when it's hard to be faithful, to be serving. And I see your tangible act of worship as you've been serving. And it's been a blessing to me. It's been a blessing to your team. And that's why you have to kind of that feedback loop of joy like, oh, they see you serving and they're motivated to serve and they do it joyfully and they and then you see them doing it joyfully and then you do it joyfully and it just goes back into itself. But where it all starts and what's the motivation is your act of devotion and worship to our Lord Jesus. And I think that's just wonderful. Thank you for sharing about that. Yeah. Um, now I want to turn to ask you about yourself some more. Uh, you like to ask about people's personality and uh, about that, and sometimes you ask about Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or whatever test. Um, not everyone is familiar with the letters or the numbers on these tests, but what would you say is your personality um, and, like, what are the meanings of it? Not just the number, but, like, what's it behind and how does that, like, reveal a little bit about who you are? Yeah, I'm really excited to answer this question because I think I really like how people are built personality-wise, mm. and even just the talents and the hobbies that they do. So for me, I'm definitely introverted in the sense that I recharge by being by myself. And doesn't mean I'm not social. I think there's a misconception that introverted people are just homebodies. But I'm actually, I do like small gatherings, maybe yeah. four or less or like my ideal group settings. And that I do find energy in smaller conversations, not in big, overwhelming social gatherings. And maybe even what people might say is an ambivert, which is both extroverted, introvert, mm. things like that. I would categorize myself as sometimes extroverted introverts. It really just depends on my mental state and uh, the energy that I have. Yeah. But definitely recharging by being by myself slash being with smaller people. Like this right now, is energizing for me mm. and it brings me joy because it's like a way for me to really get to know people yes. and to relate in a deeper way yes you know speaking of that i think that personality part of you like you 
are such an empathetic person and you genuinely care to know other people, you want to know them and you want to be known, um, maybe you even want to know people more than you care to be known. Like you just, Unfortunately. Re- <laughs> you just really care about people's stories. And I think that's probably what is part of what is driving even this project of doing this podcast yeah. is born out of your personality. Yeah. And I think also as much as I hate small talk too, ironically being in a job where I have to create small talk um, and I'll talk more about my profession, but yeah, just, I really like just these deeper conversations and just really, whether it's the struggles we're having as humans or just the things we're learning and growing as humans, like all of that is just fascinating because it shows that we as humans are evolving and growing, like whether it's in our relationship with God or just even physically, like all these stages of life that we have, I think are such gold nuggets of wisdom and knowledge for just anyone to listen to. And that's kind of also why I felt the podcast was a good way to share that and to really even go back to be like, remember when I thought this is what I was learning? Like that has changed to what now has changed. And so, yeah, I think I really value those kind of deeper conversations. Like I almost want to be like, all right, Dodgers are doing great. Lakers are in the playoffs. That's great (laughs) and all, but tell me how you're really doing, you know? And I know for some people that's harder to do. It's very hard to, be that easily vulnerable and to really break down those walls. And that's definitely totally okay. And, but I think for myself, I have an easier time just to share almost maybe too much for myself. Mm. (laughs) And yeah, it's easier for me to kind of relate. And I want to just kind of show that I care about you guys with maybe my experiences or just the heart that I have for them or some form. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I see that in you so strongly. Uh, Anything else you can tell us about your personality? So if you haven't guessed already, I'm a big feeler as well. I am unfortunately very dictated by my feelings. And there's times where my logical side is like, abandon all feelings, stop feeling (laughs) sad. But that side of me just takes over and I can't help but feel like if someone starts crying, if someone share something really deep about them. Like I just feel that level of sadness and I'm just in it with them. Mm. And that makes it really hard because internally I feel what they're feeling almost not to the degree maybe of what they're feeling, but my actions and words almost have like a hard time matching that. Mm. Like I almost don't, I'm not almost, I don't know how to respond to that at times. Like if someone's grieving or someone is going through a really hard time, every ounce of my body as a someone who wants to be a fixer and someone who wants to take control of the situation I want to say something that will like make them feel better instantly or want to encourage them in some kind of way but it's almost like this disconnect that happens where you almost feel like the words that you say are platitudes and it's just very surface level and almost insensitive almost um And so I struggle with that of like, how do I really show that I care about this person without making it seem like I'm insensitive? I'm just kind of doing it for the sake of just trying to console you. And it's really hard because like sometimes it comes out in these kind of emotions where like I just can't help but just cry because it's just so much bottled in. And um, I want to like 
help. <laughs> I want to help, but I just don't know how. And I think that's yeah. so frustrating when you want, you have the heart to do it, but you don't know how to do it. Right, right. I think you started off framing you being a feeler as though it were negative. Oh, yeah. you know, you were like, oh, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and I think it's easy to be self-reflective and to see the parts of ourselves that we would want to change. But I think you being a feeler is also what makes you so powerfully empathetic toward people and how God has been using you to touch people's lives and to care. And we all need people in our lives who are going to care for us. And you are that person who does that so naturally and you are a blessing. And so, you know, of course there are parts we want to grow in, Mm -hmm. but also embrace the fact that you're feeling, don't be, um, don't shy away yeah, from don't that. Don't shy away yeah, from it. That's I, beautiful. I'll definitely go more into that too in yeah. what God has been speaking to me. Yeah. Um, but also I'm also critical in the sense that like as a feeler and as someone who wants to help these people, I see that negative side of like, well, I'm a person pleaser and I want to sure. make sure everyone's appeased. And I think that will just naturally transition into my Enneagram. Um, by the way, I love these personality tests. I don't think these are like defines a person completely, but it just gives a good idea of like how we are. Yeah, it's a good starting place. Exactly. It's an interesting conversation starter. Sure. Sure. But as an Enneagram nine peacemaker, I feel the sense of like, I just want everyone to be okay. Like we're all in a boat and everything's hunky dory. We're all at peace. Let bygones be bygones. And so when there's this sense of conflict that arises, it makes me uneasy because it's you could feel that tension and you're like, how do I fix it? How do I maintain the peace? And I think for a while I had this idea that peace making was this very passive thing that you just kind of waited out almost mm. and you just kind of have to wait for the, the storm to blow over. But I think very recently learning that peacemaking is actually a very active uh, component. Interesting. And yeah. And the sense that you need to actively create that peace that you want, whether it's things that might be hard for myself, such as confrontation Mm. or just these healthy conflict resolution styles. It seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It really does. Right. Like you almost need to rock the boat in order to keep the boat still. (laughs) And have a true peace. Exactly. Right. And so I think at times the peace that I've envisioned is this kind of like false sense of peace. It's like everything seems okay on the surface level, but there's underlying like turmoil. And that's what I hate when you just know something's not right. Yeah. But on the surface level, you just see the smile and you're like, yeah, everything's good. It's like an elephant in the room. Yeah. Or like, I don't know if anyone's knowledgeable in memes, but there's this picture of a dog and it's yes. in the fire and the dog is saying, this is fine. That's what I imagine. It's like, this is fine while everything around you is burning down. Right, right. Yeah, that's so good. So you see the positive aspects of your Enneagram 9 being a peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And that's one where you're a team player. You care about how other people are feeling and you want people to be on the same page together. Yes. And that's really good at promoting unity. But you also feel the tension that Sometimes that can lead to people pleasing tendencies. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Did you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think as I'm getting older, the value of that is hopefully growing less and less 
in the sense that maybe I'm giving other people too much power mm. to dictate the situation. So if I'm suddenly caring about what people are thinking about, that removes the power for myself to keep the peace. Like if I'm too occupied with what other people think, not only does it remove the peace within myself, which is something I'm learning, but also the peace for other people mm. that are involved. That's so good. And so definitely hard. It's very against my nature to not be like, I'm not going to consider that because as someone who's a peacemaker, I want to consider all the options and I want everyone to be accounted for. I don't want anyone to be like feeling left out and 99 people are in peace, but one person's like, eh, that is like not great. Um, and just to even transition into what we call wings in the Enneagram. All right. And so I'm a wing one and a one meaning a perfectionist. And I have this tendency to optimize and want perfection. And in the sense that even with this podcast, I felt like it took such a long time to even start this podcast. This, this idea came out, I think a year ago, like we were talking about this yeah. a year ago and it took a year just for me to start it off and there were times people reminding me like you had this idea when's that gonna happen <laughs> and i'm like eh, kind of sitting on my hands about it but for me i'm such a perfectionist in a way that like i want the quality that i turn out to be this high self-imposed expectation okay. like it needs to be this professional level 15 year podcast level or else no one's gonna listen to it <laughs> and hearing this encouragement from you, Elliot, and from other people about like, it really doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. And there are sometimes this um, these instances where like, I have this idea or image of what perfection is, and it often comes up short of that. Mm -hmm. And it frustrates me because it's like, I want it to be that level of professionalism. Sometimes that image is, is unrealistic. It's not manageable. It's not feasible. And, but still I have this expectation, like it needs to be perfect. And I mm. think that could be really unhealthy because if it were, I don't think this podcast would still even be up. I think I would still be sitting on right. it. And so getting that encouragement of like, look what I'm producing, it's not perfection, nor should I be striving for perfection, but it's still able to be used in yeah. this way. I think that's interesting because no matter what part of your personality you look at, there is a negative side and there's a positive side right. to it. <laughs> and you, I think are very aware of the negative side of it, right? Too much. In fact. And, the, <laughs> and so you see like, okay, I have this perfectionist tendency and the way it gets in the way of what I want to do is that my goals are too lofty or unrealistic and it kind of can paralyze you because of that. Right. But on the flip side and the positive way you put in incredible amount of work and effort and you have a high standard. It's not bad to have high standards for your work. And so I think, you know, all of our journeys and whatever personality we have is to recognize who we are, your personality, and you have clear self-awareness of where your personality is, but to maximize the strengths of your personality while also minimizing the easy weaknesses. And, right. and I think what I appreciate about you so much is that you are doing that you are on that journey and I see that growth in you and even you doing this podcast like you have a high standard for yourself and that's why I think it has been a blessing you don't just wing everything you put a lot of effort into this um, 
But you also overcame the paralyzing effect of perfectionism, right? Where it's yes. like, okay, I can never do it because I'm never going to reach that standard. So I appreciate that about you so much. Thank you for sharing about your personality. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. Uh, the next thing I want to ask you about uh, is... Sorry, real quick oh, yeah. thing. Um, one more thing I want to add on um, for personality. And yeah. I wrote this down just because I felt so strongly on it. Um, I just, I think this quarter of my life is probably titled the quarter life. <laughs> mm. Um, and so I did a little bit of research about who I am and what my values are. And so I took this thing, it's called the strength finder 2.0, okay. the Gallup strength finder. And, um, the top five that came up for me are restorative, um, empathy, harmony, communication, and developer. And I felt like the need to share this because like right now with my profession as an occupational therapist, I, and just to explain what that is, is it's not helping people find jobs or, (laughs) 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 um, but rather it's more this idea of like what occupies the person's time, what is meaningful to the person. And Mm. so that's what kind of drew me to the profession is that helping someone that whatever is meaningful for them, we will help them get back into that. And so that is kind of like the key point of occupational therapy. Mm. And it can have some overlap with other therapies like physical therapy, but um, I really just like this idea of restore restoration and restorativeness Mm. because, and I think that's what's hard being in this world and being in a medical field is that we are in a broken world and we do see a lot of disease, a lot of death and, but there's that hope of like when God comes and when things are supposed to be that they're supposed to be, we will see this restoration yeah. and having the hope for that. And so really feeling strongly about restoration and maybe even for those listening to the podcast, I know some people have shared that this is almost therapeutic for them, mm. that they're able to share what God's doing in their life and that healing them. And so that's good. like, that was like a secondary, like, wow, I didn't think it would be able to do that. So yeah. I can feel that doing it for myself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, loving restoration. I want people to be restored and healed and not to be in darkness, not to be in, in brokenness. You know, Mm. I want people to be their full potential and yeah. And I think that ties into the, being a developer, like what are some skills people can develop, can do if this podcast inspire other people to make podcasts, if this podcast inspires people to serve more at church in a healthy way, obviously, not like an obligation. But if this is some way of encouragement for people to to do, to act and to grow and to, to become more, um, I think that's amazing. I think yeah. that's great. And yes. just kind of having, once again, harmony and the peace and empathy, right? Able to relate to people. I just want that to really be known. I just mm. want people to really be encouraged. Like that's the point of this podcast. I want you guys to really learn about people and see what it's so amazing about humans. Wow. And, and just, if we invest in people, like what can God use? What can we be used? How can we be used by God? Yes. Wow. I love that. That's so beautiful. And so wonderfully said, um, this whole idea of restoration. And I think that part of you, that's your strength also embodies God's heart. Because when you were saying that, it reminds me of how Jesus says, behold, I'm making everything new. 
And that's God's heart. He wants to restore. He wants to make yeah. things new. And you reflect that in your personality. I think that's wonderful. It's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Moving on to um, talking about your current season of life. What has God been speaking to you about? What has he been teaching you in this season? Yeah. <laughs> Here's the, the real meat and potatoes, as I call it. Mm-hmm. I really like this question because there's been so much God has been teaching me in this season of life. Mm. Um, first of all, I want to talk about this theme of being wonderfully and fearfully made. Mm. I think just struggling a lot recently about self-esteem and just kind of this idea of life of loving myself because as much as the Bible teaches us of like loving, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it was just such a foreign concept to me because it's like, how do I love my neighbor if I don't even love myself? Mm. And um, I think just kind of almost devaluing who I am as a person And I think that's almost why it was so easy for me to serve because it's like, look at all the people around me that are so much more important to serve. I will neglect myself in order to elevate everyone else around me. Hmm. And so I think I noticed that tendency that I would rather put myself down first and criticize myself than, and then, you know, have everyone around me be okay. If it meant the sacrifice of myself, for the harmony of the rest of the group. And I know earlier I said, if 99 are okay, and if the one isn't, it really kind of hurts me. I think that's a recent truth that I had to learn about. It's, I want myself to be included in that. Mm. And learning that this critical voice that I have in myself, it's not a means to hurt me. I think I use that as a way of condemning myself and the enemy really being happy it's like i don't need to do any work because this guy is just hurting himself Mm. in that way like he's he's self-inflicting any harm i don't need to do anything he's he's doing it to himself and um this idea of being wonderfully and fearfully made and the intentionality and learning that that as as a bearer of god's image the importance of that and so once again that idea of god's son bearing the the importance of that what does that what does that mean and so i think it just ties to a lot to value as well struggling a lot with in this world especially as someone who feels the need to do so many things perform at a certain way have a certain amount of income or perform with their career in a certain way with the possessions that they have struggling with a lot of disvalue as well and this idea that will god love me with someone that has no value and who like who am i and to be so reassured that i have value because of god yes and i am loved because of god and yeah i think that theme has been really really pertinent for god to to reach out to me like that yeah and so just to share some background i think i i was in a relationship and for me as someone who is very relational i felt that this relationship 
would be the answer to just all of my problems. Mm. It would fulfill this kind of longing for intimacy and for the sense of value that this person will give me my worth. And eventually we broke up and it devastated me. It destroyed me. And it just wasn't a heartbreak. It was like an entire identity destruction because wow. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what to even live for at times. Mm. And so that's why like I did so much research about who am I? Cause it was really an identity crisis. Right. And so really in my brokenness and in such depths of despair for God to really reach out and to restore me. I think that's why restoration is also so pertinent. It's because I felt the restoration of God on in my life. And I think extending kindness to myself, like God speaking kindness, saying like, Hans, you are someone of value, someone to be loved. And just feeling that so powerfully. And so when even this, yesterday hearing the song of the goodness of God actually tangibly feeling the goodness of God because there's so many times where I'm like what good is there of me like who am I to receive this goodness of goodness of God to have a sense of value have a sense of worth from God like that is the goodness of God yes oh so touching Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know, you know, we got to walk through that season together a little bit and shared extensively through that season. And I know that was a very painful one for you. I know that was a difficult one and a, and a challenging and stretching one. And yet for you to come out of that, holding on to this hope and tasting the goodness of God in a tangible way, you know, you could see that this idea that God redeems all things for good and to see that even that hurt in your life is redeemed for good in this way, I think is a powerful testimony that you bear. Um, and so in this life now, you're still in the season of singleness. And I know that that's not always easy, especially being at a church where a lot of people are married and they have a spouse, they have somebody else. Um, what would you, what advice would you give to other single people or how do you process it as a single person? Um, I guess both the, the difficulty of like wanting to be in a relationship, um, but not being there yet, not God's timing yet. And then also maybe some of the blessings or the advantages and the, the real gifting that it is to be in the season of singleness. Yeah, I think that's something I had also had to learn is that being single is a gift. I think a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis of like feelings, idea of being in a relationship or being married. It completes you. It's that's like, you're not a person unless you're married and learning that being single is also something to be celebrated. And probably I wouldn't even have this podcast if I was in a relationship because a relationship takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And so being grateful that I can have that opportunity in this singleness to do so much of God's work. I can do this podcast. I can serve with Set Up and Tear Down. 
and to be used in that capacity. And so definitely um, feeling that sense of freedom <laughs> to, do, to do that. And I guess some advice I would give to singlehoodness or to those who are single is this idea of really enjoying this time. I yeah. think people feel more so, especially as you get older, this sense of like, I need to be in a relationship. It's just kind of the next step in life, but not really appreciating or just valuing like the amount of resources or just the amount of so much that you can do in this time. And I mean, who am I to say? I get antsy about getting into relationships too. Um, it really is trying to fill in that God-sized hole in all of us mm. to have intimacy to that regard. And maybe we put marriage and relationships too high of a pedestal thinking that it's this Disney level fulfillment. It's like, oh, I found my Prince Charming and yeah. yes, like awesome. But I think it's just also coming and just appreciating just who you are as a single person right and just learning what your mission statement is like what are you going towards what is your direction in life and not saying that you need to have everything figured out and then you're ready to go and date but still having that idea of like what is god calling me to do am i living that out what am i passionate about and yeah and just obeying that call. And so what I would say is just being so secure in God and being so secure in what that means. And then if these things happen externally, if rejection comes your way, if expectations fall short, it doesn't shatter you. It doesn't, mm. it doesn't hurt you because you're so fortified by this truth of like, I already have everything that I need. I'm not incomplete. I'm not lacking. Yes. I have God. And I think that's a hope I have. I hold mm -hmm. on to too, is that like, yes, this relationship, it didn't work out, but there's hope. It's not the end. And even if I don't get in a relationship, I already quote unquote won, right? Like I have God. I have this God who provides unconditional love and loves me for who I am. I think that's just a lot of what we're seeking for is to be accepted. And uh, I want to say this quote by Tim Keller in The Meaning of Marriage. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. Wow. And so I just think that it's funny too, because a lot of times we feel like this tangible relationship will be better than God. And yeah. I struggle with that because it's like, it, I see that chemistry reviving all these things happening, the good parts of a relationship that is, right. and trying to substitute that for God's love. And obviously it's going to fall short. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yet we feel like that will be the puzzle that will, that will help us, that will mm. complete us, that will make us feel better in life. Wow. That's so good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, amazing. Um, and 
coming from, you know, a single person who has wrestled through those things and being able to say that to others. Once again, you know, God has often put us through certain trials so that we can be the support and be the one helping others going through those same times. And for you to come out and, and to have this perspective is wonderful. I, it's hard to believe it's already nearing an hour. And so what I want to do is kind of ask you the last question, which you normally ask people, which is, are there any recommendations you have regarding either media or books that uh, you would like the listeners to check out? Yeah, um, I have a huge list here. <laughs> oh, you came prepared. I did, because I just wanted to, um, yeah, just to give it all out. Let me get my books. It's like you knew all these questions were coming ahead of time. <sighs> I know, if I had that insight, that foresight. <laughs> um, so this one, we're, we as in my small group, um, and I really am enjoying, it's called Enemies of the Heart by a Andy Stanley. I'll put a link down below has been really helpful. Just talks about these kind of four emotions that dictate a lot of our behavior and emotions. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's a really simple read too. And I, yeah, just really insightful. Uh, this is a small booklet, not really much of a read, but has been essential in kind of going from this idea of being critical and and not loving myself and just kind of being stuck in that idea of condemnation. It's called the steps to freedom in Christ. Uh, definitely encourage people to read it, but also just to kind of pray over it. It has these great prayers to pray over for yourself. Yeah. And whether you do it in a group with your pastor, with anyone, um, I highly recommend it. So yeah. people can be free from the things that are really shackling and, them and for those who are not familiar with what this is it's not a, like a reading book it's a checklist it's an inventory of your spiritual life to go through and sometimes it's sins to confess or areas that to acknowledge or forgiveness to release and there's prayers and it's very very powerful and life-changing to go through that yeah. yeah i highly recommend everyone to go through it absolutely and just to reveal things in our hearts that yeah may be affecting us the steps to freedom in christ um, that is by Neil Anderson. Yes. Yes. We'll put a link down below. And uh, this next one is called Quarter Life Calling. Um, I felt like I wish I knew about this book earlier, not when I was 29 or 30, but still, regardless, it's still effective and it still calls out to me, especially in this period where I was really struggling with what I wanted to do in life. And so if you're in that age, 20, 29, or even younger or older, uh, quarter life uh, calling quarter life calling by Paul's son and just this kind of idea of what it means to have God-given purpose mm. what does it mean to yeah what is your calling I think a lot of us struggle with we want to make sure we know what we want to do in life and I think this book does a good job of addressing that and the last one I recommend in terms of books I saw podcast recommendations <laughs> okay <laughs> is um, no more Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert A. Glover this is just something that has helped me in terms of assertiveness and just kind of this idea of almost this feeling, this need that I deserve certain things. And like, as a nice guy, I want to like get things in expectation and just changing that mindset of like, look, it's okay to be assertive and to have this not domineering, but like not a strong personality, but someone who like can fend for themselves and it's just steady 
in their identity is confident right. in in what they want and so just kind of living that out it's accepting to have these desires accepting of yourself as well and so this book has really helped me with that yeah that's interesting because i think sometimes there's this idea that even jesus himself was a nice guy quote unquote right mm-hmm. but if you read the gospels he's not always nice you know he's <laughs> he's kind he's he's generous he's loving but there are times where he really stands up for what is right right and is assertive and is strong and those are not in conflict with his being loving and gentle and kind, you know. So that thing, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. So those are the books that I'll put down below mm. as a recommendation. For podcasts, um, I would definitely recommend Gospel and Life by Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a sermons in a podcast form, but I personally like to supplement that with my commute because I just feel like all of the series have been so pertinent in my life, like work. Um, the hope right now, the series on hope, especially during this Easter season was really good. Mm. And just kind of hearing, he does this very, like, I think every pastor just has this way of narrowing everything down to three points, (laughs) but he, he lays it down clearly. Like these are the three points. And so highly recommend that. I would also recommend, um, this other podcast, crazy love podcast Mm. by Francis Chan, just another sermon series that he's able to share. And, uh, the last one is, this is more for like relationship advice, but it's called um, Love Life by Matthew Hussey. Just talking about just what it means to be more relational. Like in the, it's more of a secular podcast, but um, I think it's just important to really ferment like this idea of value, not from relationships or from ourselves, but just this idea that we as humans have value and it's not, something to be neglected it's not something to forget about and so just kind of like how we can be better at being in relationships yeah awesome well thank you for all those recommendations uh so you're gonna have those in the links below in the show description the show notes that's wonderful and so that is wrapping up our episode for today it's been an honor to interview you hans um this is the final season of season one is there anything you want to say regarding the podcast yeah i'm so glad that it's been such a positive response to this and initially i was like we'll see how it is (laughs) and like we'll see if people will actually listen and yeah i definitely will be creating a season two i have a lot of these kind of ideas for whether it's a mini series or even just kind of some substance or material for like a transition from season one to season two so be on the lookout for that I think it's really cool to hear just even how people outside of our church are uh, experiencing God or just even some topics that might not be talked frequently in the church. I think that could be really helpful for a lot of people. So just be on the lookout. And But for now, this is our last episode for the season, which is updated on Sundays. And just glad that everyone listening is listening and to continue to follow, continue to like continue to tune in and once again also to share if you have stories if you're not part of divine church or if you're just listening from somewhere else to email us at sharing is caring at um, podcast at gmail.com i would love to read out these stories to see how god is moving in your lives and yeah that's i think such a great way to share um how god is moving throughout the world All right. Well, I'm looking forward to season two then. That's going to be wonderful. So 
God bless you, Hans, and God bless all you listeners, and we will see you next season.